I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. I'm going to show them a world without you. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Welcome back to Keanu Believe It, the Talk Film Society podcast that is all Keanu Reeves all the time. I'm Sam Van Haren, assistant editor at TFS, and a lifelong fan of the singular Keanu Reeves. I will be your guide through his diverse and interesting career. Each week, a guest and I discuss a film from his filmography, which we're working through in chronological order. On this episode, we were discussing the influential sci-fi masterpiece, The Matrix. Joining me to discuss... Uh, the film are Greg McLennan and Moshe Shafiq. How's it going, guys? Well, how are you? Thanks for having us. No problem. Uh, yeah, so uh, for this episode, I want to get something out of the way. Uh, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently than usual. Uh, since I assume anyone listening to a Keanu podcast uh, 24 episodes along has probably seen uh, The Matrix at this point, uh, we're not going to go quite so heavily into the plot. Uh, I mean, we'll still talk about it. We'll follow along uh, in order, but not going to quite describe everything that happens uh but if so if you've never seen the matrix uh what's up what's going on uh and please go watch it then come back and listen uh we'll wait for you start at what is the matrix.com <laughs> yes. or, or if you just completely like were shut in during the year 1999 right or have just never watched a movie since then or even you know seen a reference uh all right so i assume everyone's back uh, awesome. Uh, so before we dive into the movie, uh, I always ask my guests what they think of Keanu uh, in general. So why don't we start with you, Greg? Uh, what do you think of Keanu? I mean, I feel like it's not a necessarily a fair answer to make. Uh, I am a large Keanu Reeves fan. Uh, I worked for the Alamo Draft House. I uh, did the uh, Resolution, which was the Keanu Reeves Marathon, and I generally don't spend any time. Um, with anyone um, or doing a marathon at a movie theater that's going to be like 12 hours long where I watch a breadth of a, an actor's work unless I really, really, really love them. And Keanu was on the top of my list. So uh, Keanu Reeves is pretty special to me. I think that uh, most people completely disrespect him as a talented actor. And I think he is far better than he deserves or he's far better uh, than people give him credit for. Uh, and I think that his breadth of work is one of the most diverse in working actors today. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, your resolution marathon because I wasn't there, but I was on, you know, following along on you're there in uh, Twitter, and yeah, exactly, uh, and just you know, mad jealous of it. But at the same time, I was like, that day was great, just because all of a certain corner of film Twitter kind of came together and started just talk sharing their love of the first time I think I've ever heard of... anybody say that they think The Devil's Advocate is a good movie, and I felt good about it. <laughs> that is. A, uh, yeah, we just talked about that in the previous episode. Uh, yeah, so uh, that was kind of part of the thing that I was like, okay, there's probably a uh, you know an audience for a Keanu podcast. So I thank you, Greg. Oh, I'm honored. I had no idea. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, all right, Mo. Uh, what do you what do you think about Keanu overall, man? You're catching me at a weird time in my life, man. I just watched uh, Destination Wedding the other day, and not to. I mean, I'm sure you'll get there. I'm sure you'll get there very soon. But um, it's the first time in like probably a decade that I've been down on Keanu Reeves, uh, and it's not his fault. I think that I don't think anybody could have tackled that dialogue, that script, that performance. But uh, it was the first time in a long time that I was like, man, I think Keanu should only do certain kinds of movies. And that's unfortunate because, like, Greg uh, surmised, uh, you know, or, or encapsulated much better than I am, he's such a dynamic actor. He's done so many genres. He does so many different types of films. And comedy is one of them. He's a really good comedian, and especially a very good physical comedian. I think my problem with Destination Wedding is that literally he's not able to do anything physically. He has to literally just stand still or sit still the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would then say, other than Destination Wedding recently, I am also a Keanu, uh, I wouldn't call him apologist, but someone who is very quick to defend uh, people when they just when they generalize Keanu as either a um, being not a good actor, quote unquote mm-hmm. good actor, or a um, or seeming not like a very intelligent person, which is something that I heard recently where I was just like, wait a second, like you think that because he plays like you know a couple of times in his career he played someone that was very um, like what you would qualify as a stoner, though I don't think he's ever actually ever played a stoner. Even right. Ted is not really a stoner. Um, I, I don't know. Every single other movie he's ever been, I guess that like other than like he's no, never actually ever played anyone who's like less than exceptional at everything that they do. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I feel like people. Uh, I've talked about this before, but of people kind of they like think he's only been in like those movies. Like they maybe like he hasn't had a career that's diverse and weird and uh, all over the place in terms of yeah. where he's got you know. That it's he like, hasn't worked with all of the best working directors in the world today, right? Pretty much everyone, yeah. Uh, it's wild, yeah. So I'm glad you guys are both, uh, you know, like minded in that case. And now that we're talking about, you know, arguably one of his best uh, with the Matrix, so yeah, let's get into it. Uh, so why don't you talk? Why don't you each kind of tell me about your history with this movie? Kind of if you can remember, like. What, when you saw it, uh, did you see it in theaters? Uh, what was your, you know, kind of just talk to me about that. Why don't we start with you, Greg? Uh, yeah, no, it's weird. It's um, it's one of those movies that I do have that definitive experience that people always tell you about the time and place that they saw it. Uh, but I uh, I remember uh, hearing all the hype, and it, it had been out for like two weeks because I remember it having like kind of like a slow build release where like it opened well whenever it came out, but mm-hmm. then it became kind of this cultural phenomenon where everybody was running out to the theater to go see it. Uh, and I saw it on, um, it's like second weekend. My mom took me. Um, I was like about to like move out uh, and be like an adult person, but we would have like a regular movie night. And I remember dragging to this film that I had heard all of the things about. It was starring Keanu Reeves and I was super excited about it. And then I just remember driving home with her and talking about The Matrix afterwards, like having my mind like successfully like exploded and like my perception of reality like forever altered. And I was just like, whoa. Uh, And that was, you know, like a 16, 17 year old me and like couldn't ever be the same. Uh, But yeah, it was was most the most insane thing in the world. And I'm so happy that I got to share that experience with my mom where my mom, uh, like, she's got some weird tastes. Like, she will enjoy a movie like Book Club. Right. But, uh, 
Yeah, we, we had a thing because I, I went to school and uh, she worked like a, a night schedule. So like on Sunday, we always would just go to the movies together. And The Matrix was that movie. Uh, and I've seen a million movies with her, but I remember that drive home so much. That's awesome. Uh, how about you, Mo? Um, I remember seeing it maybe opening week, maybe not opening weekend, but I definitely saw it really close to its uh, opening day. And it's funny. I, I, I don't really remember like having my mind blown. Like I don't remember the, I remember certain films like literally changing film for me, but either for good or bad. Like I remember like how much I hated Batman forever when I saw it <laughs> as a kid, but how much in denial I was, you know, like I remember that experience so radically, but with the matrix, I remember seeing it. I remember really enjoying it. And then somehow between then and when it came out on DVD, I became obsessed with it. Like, it wasn't just an immediate thing. Like, I don't even remember it, it feeling like it was this. Like, maybe it had been, like, successfully overhyped already by the time I saw it. People sure. saying, like, it's like it's going to change the world, and it's, it, it's all these crazy things. And I saw it. I enjoyed it. You know, I was at that cynical age already. You know, I'm the same age as Greg, but, like, I was already sort of becoming a bit of a cynic about movies, especially mm-hmm. the way that Hollywood is packaging things. And I didn't realize that I was literally, 1999 was going to be the best year of film ever. Uh, but like, you know, at that point, like I had been, I had been successfully conned by blockbusters, you know, and, and things that had like marketed themselves so successful because the marketing campaign behind the matrix was like so revolutionary. It was so right. like I- incredible, you know, I made a joke about the, what is the matrix.com? But like, that was, that was like a thing that like literally like you couldn't like, you know, the, the whole joke of the, teaser trailer was like we can't even explain this if we tried like right. just 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 go in who care like you, you just don't even bother trying to figure out what this movie is just see it you know and like that's a ballsy ballsy thing that like any movie would dream of being able to do at this point but like it, it worked for me i saw it and i liked it but then um dvd you know like my collection of dvds at that point in mm-hmm. 1999 was probably golden eye con air uh, Dumb and Dumber, and maybe Batman, and right. like uh, Tim Burton's Batman, and I had like played those things endlessly, endlessly, and then I bought The Matrix, and I probably watched that movie like twenty five times in the like next couple of months since I had it. Like I had it memorized. I had like just you know I would just sometimes just leave the DVD menu running because the DVD menu was so fucking cool. Right. Can I, am I allowed to swear on this? I'm sorry. You are. Uh, you are it, it was so so amazing. Like I remember the loop ending with with Trinity crashing into the the building right. and the ripple thing, and it explodes Loading and like it and the music playing behind it it was just uh, like and then yeah and then i was obsessed but um, when did you turn full maniac on it like i mean like i love you mo and i'm not calling you a maniac but you know what i mean like when did you start to be like the guy who read like everything online about it in order to become like the like matrix acolyte well, that, that's 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 a fair question, Sam. Are we doing the sequels in this podcast, or are we sticking to the first? One? Uh, no, this this episode is just about the original or the first one. The, the original. Okay. okay. Well, then uh, I'll keep it. You brief. can mention they, them. They exist. You, no, yeah, they you exist. can. Yeah, for oh, sure. Right, We're right. treating them like these movies don't exist. Right. Yes. Uh, Please so mention yeah, them. Allow, yeah, allow it to be clear that like I love the Matrix sequels. I am I am I such a huge defender of the sequels. I don't. Um, I think that they're some of the most underrated pieces of cinema that have existed in the last 20 years. And I think that it's, uh, it's so interesting how devalued they became and maybe now they're starting to be reapproached as the landscape has sort of become more brain dead and people are looking for something a little more intellectual out of their films. Sure. Um, But I would say, uh, Greg, to answer your question, I became an obsessive 
it, I'd say like 2007, 2008, like a good four or five years after the sequel. Because had come you've been out. living with the movie for a while before you were like, yo, let's get, let's get weird. I'm going to dive deep into this. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the exact moment. Like I can remember my exact revelatory moment with when I became obsessed with The Matrix as a franchise as opposed to just the film because I always liked the film. I saw the sequels. I liked Revolution. I liked Reloaded, but I didn't like Revolutions. Then I moved on with my life. And then uh, I was at a used DVD store in uh-huh. New York City in the um, Flatiron District. And I remember stumbling through, picking through, because I was buying like two, $3 DVDs. And I saw the Matrix box set that had the like the Neo Bust mm-hmm. with the 10 oh, discs. Yeah, I don't yeah, remember yeah, that yeah. like really expensive my thing. My brother got that for Christmas. And I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't get that for Christmas because I want those movies. But that thing would freak me out. Right. It is. It was a freaky thing. And it was super expensive. And I was literally just like, why would anyone buy this? Like the, that, that box set came out after the movies had come and gone and bombed. And I was just like, like you know, so it wasn't like oh, this came out like right after the first Matrix, and like everyone was oh, so bomb. Number two was the number one opening R-rated film of all time. Yeah, even, came out. yeah they yeah, were but, huge, but, uh, but maybe bomb. But yeah, but Bat- Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad made a billion dollars, right? Like I'm saying that, like you know, not obviously one of them is better than the other, but I'm saying like the cultural cachet, despite how much okay. money they made, yeah, yeah. they died. Okay, and I so, think the cultural um, cachet didn't actually uh, sully until uh, it went into Revolutions. I think like Reloaded, they were everybody was like, oh, okay. It's gonna pay off somehow, and then, and then, and then I think whenever, and then whenever revolutions happen, they go like, "Oh no!" Um, but yeah, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Well, yeah, but not, not, yeah, not, neither, <laughs> neither here nor there, because at the end of the day, I'm talking about after revolutions. So after revolutions, it was that's what I just discovered that DVD set box, and I had sure. this like moment where I was just like, "Why would anyone buy?" I get why they would sell this to this used DVD store. Obviously, they're getting rid of it, but why would anyone buy this in the first place? And for some reason, that became like a not to quote this movie, but a splinter in my mind. I like couldn't stop thinking about it for the next couple of days, and I was just like went online and I was reading like how do people feel about the sequels in the movie? And like I found like, enough articles that were just like, "Yo, like low key, the sequels are great." And I was like, "Okay, like maybe it's just time I revisit this." And so I, uh, I Netflix when they were a rental disc rental company and not the streaming behemoth, I ordered uh, Matrix Reloaded on DVD, and it came to my house the next day, and I put it on, and it immediately I was just like, "Oh my god, I was so wrong!" Like I don't know what it was between uh, you know age. Um, 17, I'm sorry, age, I guess I was 19 when the sequels came out, 19 to when I was 24, but like uh, maybe it was um, a world experience or maybe it was just that I was looking for, I was into philosophy at the time more. I, I just suddenly like found transcendence in these films and then I became this like uh, Matrix obsessive just diving deep into literally every disc and that I bought that 10 disc set immediately like I went on Amazon uh, I, was say, uh, I have known you for a long time Mo and we have waxed poetic about the Matrix and Keanu Reeves quite a bit but I don't think I've ever heard the story about you going you know what I just became fixated after I saw the shitty DVD release where they had this really awkward Neo bust and then I just thought about it for forever yeah yeah it was it was crazy that like something I'm like that I'm gonna get you like, that for Christmas you should I, I have I, I mean it, I, I don't actually I still don't actually own that I own the like the, the nice like lenticular one that came out like yep. the other one the, the less uh, uh, but I, I so have an eBay the blue- on my phone we'll figure this out the Blu-ray version of that box set. I mean, we'll get to the actual movie right, in a second. Point, yeah. But the actual, <laughs> the actual Blu-ray of it is so ugly compared to that. Like, I still I have the Blu-ray set, which has the same exact content, but uh, I still have the DVD set on my on my you know like uh, mantle because it's so much more attractive than the like boring Blu-ray set. 
Um, anyway, that's it. So, uh, yeah, uh, for me, uh, uh, I'm dating myself a little bit that I'm uh, younger than both of you, uh, but I was uh, eight when the movie came out uh, in theaters, so my parents obviously did not let me go see it, but uh, my brothers had, so I was, uh, you know, kind of obsessed, because it's a classic thing where your older brothers had seen it, they loved it, they, like, but I told them to, like, even at that point, I was spoiler-phobic, I was like, don't tell me anything, I want to experience it, uh, but I remember, just for the occasion, my dad, like, rented a, a video projector so I could watch it as big as possible uh, at home, so I watched it, like, so I remember sitting on the floor in the dark with, like, a bedsheet screen, like, with the video, pr- and just, you know, promptly having my mind blown. Uh, That's pretty awesome, though. What a cool dad. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and he, you know, bought the DVD that day, uh, and he hadn't seen it either. I think, like, my brothers went to see it uh, by themselves, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, again, I- I've talked about that Speed and uh, Bill and Ted were the movies that, you know, made me appreciate Keanu, but this was the movie that made me go okay, he's one of the coolest people on the planet. And again, I don't, you know, I don't know if I fully understood the movie. So I've gone through, you know, these different phases with it. Uh, but yeah. Uh, As you say, you already passed the year where he did the greatest twosome of uh, films ever, where he did Point Break and Bill and Ted's uh, Bogus Journey in the same year. And My Own Private Idaho. Yeah. Those yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, just, and you just go like, wait a minute, who are you and where did you come from? Like he he is like a John C. Riley as far as a talented actor, and he did like the greatest like disparity of films. Yeah, I mean, and even in the ninety, like every four years in the nineties, he made one of the greatest action movies of all time. Like that's yeah. I mean, he's a legend. Uh, but yeah, so let's get into uh, the Matrix. The Matrix. Here. Yes, the film. Uh, so this opening with, uh, I mean, obviously the Warner Brothers logo, which is you know this is probably where it's. I think this might be where it started. Where like. The Warner Brothers logo kind of fits the whatever movie it's doing. So this was like the green, uh, right. you know, rippling and the music and you know, the mu- you know immediately the music starts with the that I don't want I'm not going to repeat it. You know it that kind of shimmer almost yeah, the, like the no no actually go ahead I uh, want to hear it yeah yeah I'll play it <laughs> it's playing now <laughs> uh, but yeah just you know and immediately with the immediately iconic. Uh, you know, green digital rain. Uh, and again, this is, you know, Trinity and Cypher talking about Neo without, before we even meet him is a really great, I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's just one of those incredible movies where you watch it and you've been kind of sold a bill of goods that you're going to watch a cool action movie to where you have been sold on the action and the marketing for it at the time was kind of like, it's cool, we can't explain it, like what Mo was saying. What was insane about it is like you go to watch the movie and like you're on board like yeah WB logo hits uh, and after like you have this like opening you go like holy shit what was that and then you jump into being like Keanu Reeves like buddy and you're watching him have this like double life and you go oh okay I'm pretty super into this movie and like from there like you get blindsided as much as the character does it and i can't think of a movie in recent memory that has ever so successfully like hidden what the movie was ultimately about right uh while also simultaneously selling you everything that you were going to see after um what the turn was but this movie like concealed its turn so well to where you saw you're like holy shit because you're like i don't know if i'd listen to that guy on the phone 
Right. I mean, and it makes sense that the opening is, you know, just it's almost like a noir where it's like Trinity uh, at a computer. Uh, like, And then we meet Trinity first is amazing. I love it. Uh, but that, like, it makes sense that the Wachowskis at this point were known for Bound, which is a, you know, neo-noir. So it kind of works that, like, the first act of the movie is almost this weird uh, cyberpunk noir with a uh, where a hacker starts meeting this weird underground movement that we don't know about. Uh, yeah, it's just really, it's really effective. Pulls you into that world. Well, I, would, I, I wouldn't really say that the Wachowskis were known. Sure. Uh, which is sort of like the, the, what I think is the most interesting thing about uh, what Greg said, like being sold a bill of goods. You were, you were sold a Keanu Reeves movie, right? You right. Know, you, knew, you, knew, you knew Lawrence Fishburne as well. Uh, you probably didn't know Carrie Ann Moss. And if you knew the Wachowskis, you were just like, if you did know Bound, this is definitely not the movie you expect them to follow up right. Bound with, right? right. You go you go from $6 million lesbian crime drama uh, to, I mean, thematically, you can see the through line now that you've seen their whole career and know their personal lives, but you can't see that, like, immediately, right? Right. Um, and so when you start this movie, it takes, you know, a good, like, 10 minutes to, to get to Keanu Reeves, but even then, you're sort of like, okay, and like Greg said, like, when you finally get to the, the turn of the film, which I guess is still a good, like, 30 minutes into the movie, when Morpheus is giving this the battery speech, mm-hmm. effectively, um, like, I wonder, like, I, I, I can't help but, like, put movies through the lens of, like, if they were released today, like, how many people, is that, how many times, is, the movie, is that the point where people turn the movie off, right? Because right. most people are either watching this on Netflix as a streaming movie or whatever, or the movie, where the point where people, like, online are giving it one star being like, oh, their battery is bullshit. You know, like, it was just, like, it was a, a weird nexus of time where people were willing to buy in full hog to original IP, and and, like, if they didn't get it, you know, whatever, that's fine, you know, like, but, like, that that contingent of anybody who watched The Matrix in theaters and thought it wasn't a good movie does not exist, right? Like, you talk to anybody about The Matrix, they either go, like, yeah, the movie's fine, or they're, like, it's the best movie ever, but you don't really find people who are just, like, yeah, I saw that movie in theaters, and I didn't get it, right? right. You know, like, and maybe they are, maybe they exist, maybe they're dead now because they were 70 when they saw it, I don't know, but, you know, like... Did you remember that, like, moment, Mo, like, whenever you were watching it, like the first time or one of the, one of the first times where like you're watching it and, like you're just going like holy fuck like neo's in over his head or not neo uh john's in over his head and then like you get to like the car where like they pull the bug out of his mm-hmm. belly button and uh, mm-hmm. and at that moment you go like shit just got real and i believe all of this insane shit that i was really hoping was true it has like five turns back to back like it has right. the bug but like you had like the suspension of disbelief like the the the, the storytelling like I mean, for me, like I feel like the storytelling that the Wachowskis were able to commit to, where you were like, "This guy needs to get out of this shit." Like, I don't know where this movie's going, and I don't know why I'm sitting here for two hours, but this is bad news. Well, it's immediately uh, a fairy tale. Like, it's immediately Alice in Wonderland, and they they make those parallels. Oh no, no, no I'm saying like absolutely. It's just like it, it, it's one of the like few times in my life where like I have been kind of blindsided. And I don't want to say that because obviously I bought a ticket to the movie and I was going to go watch that movie. But like it had been obfuscated from my like my mind about what movie I was technically watching. Does that make sense? Like, oh, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, like I said, like I, well, it, it has five like consecutive yeah. like 
twists that like any movie today would like be a reason for you to check out right? right i mean immediately it's a fairy tale but like it's you're being sold the keanu reeves sci-fi movie that's also like immediately hitting you with uh f- like close-ups of philosophy texts and and white rabbit metaphors for alice in wonderland then taking pills and then all of a sudden you come out you know, after you had a bug pulled out of his stomach, then, uh, you know, literal liquid metal comes out of a mirror and engulfs the man. He wakes up. He's inside of a giant tube with a bunch of, you know, giant robots uh, and a bunch of plugs in him. Then there's shots of him getting crazy acupuncture. And then he gets uh, like a five-minute exposition dump of which explains the entire back history of right. the film with metaphor, with babies being, you know, enveloped in pink goo. And, like, never at any point do do I remember me being, like, okay, like, slow down. Like, it's just such, like, an actual, like, master class in how to deliver exposition no, by, yeah. like, introducing us to certain characters in, like, the weirdest order. But, like, it works. Every single step of the way it works because it gives you, like, one little tiny baby step at a time. Yeah. But, like, in on paper, it's all it's all batshit crazy. Like, you think about, like, oh, okay, and now this is the point where we tell them that babies are batteries. And you go, like... It, it, I mean, it subscribes to, like, the whole, like, um, show people, don't tell people. Yeah. But yeah. it, but 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 the beauty of like the Wachowski game is, I'm gonna show him, and then I'm gonna make him say, "What the fuck?" And you know what? I'm gonna be standing right next to him in order to tell them exactly what they want to know. To where whenever that exposition dump comes, you go, "Oh, thank God!" Like I was 100 percent with you, but my uh, head did blow off the top of it, uh, and now I would like to learn all of the things that you have to tell me. They're like, "This is the world," and you're like, "Oh," and so it doesn't feel like that exposition dump because it is such like. Uh, like you're clawing for information at, at that point. Right. I mean, yeah, the world building is, it's incredible. I mean, the Wachowski's just destroyed and it's like the fact that they do that, that they do both show and tell. I mean, there are, like you said, there are exposition dumps, but they work because it's Lawrence Fishburne with cool sunglasses telling us about, uh, you know, all this uh, philosophy and uh, also just weird sci-fi shit and it all just it shouldn't work, but it works amazingly. And it's, yeah, it's really, it is, people should study this. I'm sure they do in terms of how to do that right. I just watched uh, Catherine Bigelow's Strange Days for the first time ever. Um, And it's not, not, I wish I was in the room for that. It was great. It was fucking awesome. And uh, I wouldn't say it's as good as The Matrix, right? But it has, it has a very similar sort of approach to things where it, like, it throws you in deep right away into the world. It starts with that, like, POV squid sequence mm-hmm. where, uh, for people who haven't seen Strange Days, it's about, like, what if people could, like, record their, like, their, their visual experience and their whole sensory experience of living their lives and people sell those experiences on the black market on mini DV drives that you put in <laughs> mini disc drives and you could play it back if you have this little, like, weird fi- uh, hairnet on. Uh, I but can't it shows, we didn't like, double feature that whenever we watched Existence. I was like, man, Existence and Strange Days are, like, literally the best double feature. I know. What a great time to be alive, the 90s. <laughs> Sam, I wish you were there with us. Uh, but uh, it was. Uh, but I, I, I just saw Strange Days, and, and it has a very similar thing where it does, like, about 20 minutes in the movie before you finally get the first sequence where 
Ray Fine sits down and ex- has to explain what the technology is to this guy, this like lo- this guy who's like trying to buy in, you know, like this guy who's buying it on the black market right. from him. And he does the exposition dump, which is like ultimately the same dialogue they use in the tra- the teaser trailer. I don't know if you ever remember. I remember the teaser trailer for that movie so vividly. And after the movie, I rewatched it, where it's Ray Fiennes just talking to you on screen, explain doing the exact same dialogue dump, where he's like, "You feel it, you really experience it," <laughs> with his like really awkward American accent. Anyway, so I mean, like it was a thing that like people were 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 figuring out how to like do like fully realized immersive worlds in which you like kind of like you said, show and then tell. Um, but I still like, it's, it seems so innately, um, like that the best filmmakers know how to do that. And it's sort of like baffling how hard, how difficult it seems to be nowadays. Cause I don't, I don't know that I've ever been fully immersed in a science fiction world the way that I have with the matrix and been like, especially with untested filmmakers and just been like, yeah, no, 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 I'll, I'll follow you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you, you keep running. Like you run as far as you can. I'll catch up. Like, I don't care. Like just, just, just take, just, just keep going. Well, you know? yeah. I mean, and that opening sequence with Trinity, like it literally establishes everything. Like it shows the, establishes the tone, it establishes the action, the style, and like even the focus of that they're searching for the one. Like, okay, we get this. It's ridiculous. We, I mean, it's, we can't understand it, but at the same time, we like, they tell right, you exactly like, what you need to know. Is she a superhero? What is she? What? How can she do that? Yeah, she's just, she's floating now, and this is a new this is a technology that we've never seen before in a movie. But then at the same time, it's the way it's filmed is like you don't question it. You don't think about the technology at that moment. You just think she's a badass. I will follow her through the gates of hell. Like let's go. Uh, and uh, just this, uh, yeah, the. Uh, intro of Mr. Smith uh, or of Agent Smith, like the agents. Uh, again, at this point, we don't really. If you're if you're looking at it from having seen it for the first time, like you don't know who these guys are. You just think they're feds or something. Uh, and the whole "your men are already dead" is a great line. Just this full of great right. lines. But uh, yeah, and then we, you know, she kicks all this ass, uh, and then she disappears in a phone booth right before a truck takes it out. Like insane it's mind-blowing is the word and then we see keanu reeves fast asleep on his keyboard i was gonna say that chiseled beautiful face and so so i i don't think that keanu reeves has ever gotten credit and i'm not positive that he's ever going to get credit and i think one of the like most like heads up casting decisions that the wachowskis made was not getting a will smith uh to be the star of the matrix getting a keanu reeves because he kind of has like the perfect blank slate every man to him mm-hmm. uh and he's so good at leaning into that that you're willing to go on that journey with him uh and i think that if he had an over and and, and i'm this is this is going to sound like a critique but it's not meant to be it's like his overabundance of that kind of everymanness instead of like a guy that's just oozing charisma and charm from the moment that you see him on screen. Mm-hmm. I think that makes the movie so much more enriched as a result of it. Right. I mean, even, uh, you know, in, I remember watching the, uh, matrix revisited, like super deep dive, uh, behind the scenes stuff. And they talked about how, uh, the Wachowskis made everyone read, uh, simulacra and simulation before they would even give them the script. Like, they're like they have to be able to understand the philosophy of it, the the and then the, even the science and like Reeves is like they knew that he they wanted him to do that like they they knew that that's why they cast that's why they wanted Keanu because he is into that kind of stuff and so it's like it's kind of 
this movie would not work without Keanu in it. I don't think they might they might not have even made it without him. So yeah, because Will Smith was actually like one of the people they were after, right? Yeah, at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Will Smith, Will Smith turned it down to do Wild Wild West. Yeah, Wiki Wiki Wild Wild West. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's again the, the fact that this is one of the biggest movie, one of the biggest cultural movies that it's. But it is, you know, it's a martial arts movie that has uh, huge things that you have to buy into, and it just it really works and. Yeah, Keanu's, you know, he sells it every second he's on screen. I mean, I'm just trying to put my like mind around like what the world was dealing with. Like, what what was like? We had gone into the like conglomerate, like globalism, like view of filmmaking where people weren't making like these daring and interesting narratives anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, they were going. I have to make a movie that uh, makes me $100 million in the U.S., but I also have to make, like, $200 million internationally. What does that movie look like? And so, like, we're getting Wild West or Wild Wild West and our Independence Days and shit where stuff blows up huge. But this movie is, like, literally, like, one of the most Asian, like, American-made films ever. While, like, it's, like, Taoist and Buddhist and, like, every, like, so much, like, multiculturalism, but from... Uh, such a, a foreign lens right. uh, that, that uh, Americans are are used to digesting, and they gobbled it up. And I don't understand it because, yeah, we're, we were watching a lot of fucking awful shit for a long time. <laughs> yeah, so I think even if people didn't understand it, and again, it's, we don't talk to the about the sequels too much, but the rejection of the fact that it's a blockbuster action movie that ends with ambiguity, ambiguity and talks about still just keep talking to you about philosophy it never stops with that and it's uh, I mean one of the turns was at the, like that, that final scene of uh, Reloaded with uh, literally you know the, the architect just talking about uh, you know I'll well, get more started yeah you can't um, you can't say the architect around Mo. That's one of his his, his trigger words. I think that's one of like the ten best scenes in cinema history. Uh, right, I agreed. Okay, but we'll go. Yeah, we'll move on. We'll still we'll stick it to the. Well, that, that's that's the interesting the, the interesting thing is that people point to that as like a as like how to not do show don't tell right mm-hmm. you know obviously um, and I guess to some degree I agree I agree but also I love that scene so much and I think it, it says so much about what they're trying to do more than it being an exposition dump it's more of just right. like it's like the most like understated climax like the understated fight scene I've ever seen on you know it's, yeah. it's a fight scene but it's like a dialogue fight scene and it's so interesting yeah. um, but uh, the the thing about the Matrix sequels that sort of um, I think threw people off balance is uh if, I, if we were to say that, like, you're a bartender and you're doing, like, a cocktail for the Matrix, right? It's, like, you know, it's one part alcohol and then, like, three parts mixer, right? And then in this, in this, in, in this metaphor, this terrible metaphor that I'm making up on the fly, the alcohol is the, is, is the philosophy, right? And then, like, you go to the second drink and all of a sudden you go, like, how about, like, 50% alcohol and then 50% mixer and then you go like okay this is this is this is fine this will get me drunk but like it's also like kind of I can taste it like I taste it like <laughs> a kind of bit and then the third one you don't even look at what you're pouring into the thing right you know but like you know that you, like the, the person who's making it the entire time knows exactly what they're doing but you taste it and you go like ooh this is not what I signed up for I just I want that first drink again and and you go like oh it's obviously like th- they decided to double down on what they were excited about 
while they thought that they were packaging it the same way, right? Really, it's the, they flipped the balance one hundred percent. Like I mean, it was, that's all that's all in here. Like that's all in the. If you watch the first one now, uh, you know, after having the sequels, like it's the same. It's not anything new. It's just that because of this movie, the first one's all about introducing us to that world that we don't really we're not paying attention to that. We're like we're maybe hearing it, but we're not necessarily under you know. Yeah, uh, well, it's packaged in the hero's right. journey, right? Yeah. And like the the structure of the other ones are like a deconstruction of the hero's journey, and why it's sort of a dangerous thing to follow in the first place, right? Then the hero's journey and why it doesn't actually work, which most people have never tried telling that story. You know, like you don't get to do that very often without like being very combative with an audience, and and, and I get why most audiences don't um, like it, but uh, it's very interesting to make your your biggest movie of all time, you know, one of the biggest movies of all time, the hero's journey. Right. And, you know, like it's, it's, it subscribes to the same narrative rules that star Wars does that, you know, uh, I mean, even to some degree, I guess speed does, you know, like if you're just trying to connect it to a, a Keanu Reeves movie, it like, it follows all those beats perfectly, but like, it's also in, in a, it's weaven, woven into a tapestry that's far more, uh, decadent and far more, unique to something you've never seen before but the other stuff is just sort of where like you said like it, it is it is all there it's just that like it's much more subtle right I guess. do you do you feel like there's like a part of the movie mo uh where like people were like kind of accepting of this kind of like existentialism and philosophical stuff that was kind of wrapped into their movie where they were like yo i just want to hear the chemical brothers and ladies in skin tight suits fight uh and whenever yeah obviously like your metaphor for drinking uh but like they're just kind of doubling down on it with each film going like no i don't think you guys got it this movie's about this and people are like yeah 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 yeah. you guys have twins in this one that can teleport through cars while things <laughs> explode uh and they're like no no no, but we're not fucking around and like the third one like it literally is just kind of a huge middle finger going we made this to say this like do you think that like people were glossing over it well, yeah, because pe- people understand good versus evil, you know? Like, that's the thing, is that, like, it's a very easy thing to understand that, like, okay, even though The Matrix, the first one, is saying, like, look, free your mind, understand that the world that you're in is sort of this... It's it's a set of structures and ideas that are sort of built around to make you... A, that To make you feel like you can't do anything other than live the lives that people have told you to do, mm-hmm. right? Again through the lens of what the Wachowskis ended up becoming, through their transitions, and also through the ideas of, you know, like, capitalism, through the ideas of, you know, all the racism and and sexism in the world. Like, you can... There's no dogmatic approach to this film. You can apply it to literally anything and just be like, the way that you believe things are, are is only, only exists because people who are more powerful than you tell you that it is. Mm-hmm. And so that's an easy thing to sort of comprehend because you go, you've seen enough movies where it's like the Empire versus the Rebellion, you know? And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I get that. And there's a narrative shorthand there, which is like, there's these good guys, there's less of them, and then there's an insurmountable force that's like literally trying to control you. And yeah, in this one, it's peppered through, it's, it's filtered through the lens of technology. There's robots that we invented that are now trying to kill us. And we're trying to stop them through our little militia, you know, like it all, it all still is the same exact story. Right. But like I said, without getting into the sequels too much, the sequels go, well, but (laughs) yes, of course, uh, we want to stop them. But also like maybe it's more complicated than that because like you can't just 
kill everyone. Like, the world wouldn't work if you killed all the machines. We kind of also need them. And so what does that actually say? Like, maybe... You know, there's it's kind of a not necessarily healthy way to approach revolution to think that we need to literally murder the opposite side or, right. or like force the opposite side to believe what we do. It's more about finding harmony and bliss, and which is like the le- the least um, exciting form of confrontation you could ever have in a film that's all about confrontation and building and release through these fight scenes. And right. then you go like, wait, wait, no, no, fighting isn't the answer is the message yeah. in a weird way without being like handholdy, Mr. Rogers neighborhoody. It's very much just like, no, actually it's about like helping each other and finding a harmony. And you go like, oh, that's what you were trying to sell me? Get out of here. But the first movie is still very much just like punch, punch, kick, gun, gun, gun. And like, again, I love this movie so much, so I'm, I'm all about it. But like, all those ideas are being planted here, but like in order to get to the ending of the revolutions, you kind of have to have the heroes win and be successful for the first time, and before they realize that, like, yeah, no, no, of course you won because it's every everyone like every revolution has those victories, right? But those are short lived because you're not actually winning anything. You're it's all superfluous. It's all about like uh, it's all like yeah, you could have this one, like whatever. You know, winning the battle versus the war, yeah. right? And, uh, um, you know, keeping it to this one is, like, that. Int- this this scene with... So after Neo, you know, uh, got pulled in, like, basically told him that, you know, Trinity's working with Morpheus and all this stuff, and then he goes to his... Uh, and then, you know, gets arrested by uh, this whole this whole thing with him, you know, trying to escape from Smith and then getting captured and then the interrogation scene. Like, that scene sets up the deeper themes of the movie of both that, it, you know, if you think, look of it as... Uh, you know, a transgender metaphor, or if you just look at it as fighting against systems of oppression and control, like, this first movie, it works on its own, but then at the same time, like, I love, yeah, I gotta love how, which we'll talk about more in the, those episodes, but the way the Wachowskis are like, you know, we're still gonna, now that we have these people here, let's, you know, fully go into our, you know, our outlook on life and the world and uh yeah it's just great stuff but well yeah i mean i think that my favorite part that that is set up in that scene with neo and smith in the um in the interrogation room and it's set up like a little bit earlier too with um all the choices he has like it's all about choice the whole the whole series is about choice and whether you choose to continue the cycle but like the binary choice right you know like every person in his life gives him a single choice like he 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 gets to work and his boss literally goes like you have two choices you show up on time or you find another job yeah and, and then, then agent smith does the exact same thing which is even, just like you can right. join us or or you know or and then he, he decides to just choose neither he literally flips him off and then he forces him to do it anyway which is exa- exactly the, the power of control which is that like which the other movies explore also but it's like the idea of being like you actually had no choice in this matter <laughs> like you think you had a choice but the choice was follow or die right and even morpheus gives him that like you know, there's two ways out of this building on that uh you know on that scaffold or in their custody and it's like that whole thing about that it's presenting this binary but then at the same time neo's like i don't really give a shit like i'm gonna do uh, i have a completely different How take about on i this. give Let's, you the finger and you give me my phone call right i know my yeah. i know my rights like it's great yeah uh and yeah and then we get to this scene with uh you know him we get to the uh you know your way or the it's our way or the highway uh we, you know the introduction of switch and apoc like i love the Man, we could talk, you know, we could have a whole podcast on just this movie, but... Yeah, like, I could just talk about Joey Pants in this movie <laughs> for an hour. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, finally, at least, to the, the, you know, the most iconic scene in terms of that choice 
He's obviously, you know, the blue pill or the red pill. Uh, and, you know, this is a good opportunity to talk about the amazing cinematography and production design of this movie. Uh, I mean, the like him walking up into this building to finally meet Morpheus, like, uh, it's like, you know, a chessboard. Even just like the floor panels are, you know, it's all, you know, it's black and white. So it's like a, it's a chessboard. And that's kind of telling you the what we're in, you know, in store for. And it's, you know, it's just a masterclass in every aspect of movie making. It's really impressive. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't even follow. Yeah. It's, 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 it's amazing what they're able to achieve again, following bound. Like you go, you go, you see, I didn't see bound until, you know, a couple of years ago, but when I finally did, I was just like, I don't know how anyone saw bound and was like, yeah, you could have $60 million to make a sci-fi epic that like no one, the like, uh, like, and I'm glad they did. Thank God they did. Yeah. Bound is such a taut little film, but also like whenever, like they're going for, from uh, Jennifer Tilly's apartment to like Gina Gershon's apartment. And like, you just see that kind of camera whip and it's just like living and gliding through the room. You're like, no, these people know how to fuck around with the camera. Like, <laughs> They 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 know what they're doing. Like I I I I mean, obviously, like it's easy to like look back on it uh, and go, yeah, no, I saw that shit in Bound. But like, I honestly like I would have been so excited if those people were making an action movie based off of that camera work. I mean, it's like whenever Wonkar Y yeah. made like a, uh, like the Grandmaster, I was like, wait, get the fuck out. And people were like, why do you care about Wonkar Y making an action movie? You're like, because this dude is insane with the camera and slow motion. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and then even just those shots of, like, you know, uh, that don't make sense, like, you know, uh, Morpheus presenting the pills, and that you see both, you know, you see him, you see the red hand, you know, the red pill in one glass shade and one in the other, and, like, that doesn't make sense, but it's beautiful, and it, like, it's just, yeah, they're some of the greatest, yeah, they're amazing with the camera, and uh, every shot is purposeful, there's no, I mean... It's a it's a two hour and fifteen minute movie, but it feel I almost, I honestly thought it was longer than that because of how just full it is and how every shot the fact how efficient it is for the length is they don't make movies like this anymore. I know they say that a lot, but they just kind of don't. And we're talking about Keanu Reeves. We are. Who 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 really he really committed to this both like in a. In a way that, like, I guess a lot of actors in the 90s started to by, like, making themselves, like, grotesque whenever needed to. Mm-hmm. Like, he never really quite went, like, Tom Cruise in Vanilla Sky or, like, Brad Pitt in 12 Monkeys. But this is the closest he did, which was just, like, like letting all these weird body plugs come out of him, have his lips melting into his own face mm-hmm. and, like... You know, uh, shaving his head also, and like you know, and also like through through the saturation or the the chemical treating of the film that they actually use, like showing how weird hit and sinewy his face is. Yeah, like the, the whatever the the I mean, Greg, you probably know more about this sort of stuff than I do, but like the bath, the chemical bath, they they were treating the film to make the Matrix scenes look like different, like that filter or whatever. It it just makes him look so. Uh, was bizarre like so bizarre like yeah. kind of alien and like his his five o'clock shadow where his like stubble would be looks like uh, like a weird off color gray across his pasty white face and like it, it's so weird that like in on paper like all, you've told me that that's what the movie looked like i'd be like that sounds hideous and ugly but like it it look, still looks like gorgeous like i used to want to like 
I wish that I, I could do that. That was like a filter that was on my phone right now. Like if I could take an Instagram filter that just made me look like I was in the matrix right now. I think, I think you just, uh, I'm pretty sure that a, that exists and B, if it doesn't, you just made a million dollars. But also I, I, I think that that's kind of like the Testament to Keanu Reeves, the actor, yep. like regardless of how beautiful he has been his entire life. And I think that he has a strong sense of self and confidence about how, like intrinsically good looking he is. But at the same time, I think that he has been like the, like Jake Gyllenhaal or like the uh, Ryan Gosling, where he just always has been playing against that type. He goes like, Oh, you guys want me to be like an idiot surfer guy. Cool. Like, Hey, you want me to be this like dude that like is going to be like weird lit and whatever. Like he's always willing to like lean into these things that have nothing to do with his personal appearance because I feel like he's always running away from it. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes I've talked about this in other movies where like that, you know, that it doesn't necessarily work, but it's at the same time, like he does a great job of, you know, being willing to not care what he looks like and dive into it. But it's just that he, yeah, he's so beautiful that he can't even with plugs on his head and wearing gray, weird, you know, uh, ratty shirts. Like he still looks great, and it, but it's also, but it's still convincing in the fact that he's these two different people when he's in, you know, both in the Matrix and in the real world. So yeah, it's definitely a testament to how committed he is, and just that when it works, when he finds the right role, he just you know is it delivers some of the greatest work ever, and that's this is one of the cases where he does. Quick that. sidebar about uh, the fashion of the Nebuchadnezzar, their ship in the film. Um, I think I'm not I'm not a big Kanye West fan um, now more than ever. But um, at one at one point in his career, uh, when he first launched his his clothing line uh, Yeezy Season and stuff like that, it was uh, it was very deliberately inspired by the clothing of Zion and the Nebuchadnezzar. And that was the happiest I'd ever been with, with regards to like the way the direction that fashion was going. Where I was like, "Oh my god, if we could all start dressing like we were on the on the Nebuchadnezzar, I'd be so happy." Uh, in fact, like I bought a sweatshirt around that year that was just like a ratty old like gray knit fabric sweatshirt, and <laughs> I I still wear it to this day. And I I dream that I'm just driving flying around old old po- porridge parties, right. <laughs> Me and Mouse just uh, eating porridge. and You guys want to come over and eat some slop? It's, it's got protein. Yeah, and I guess that leads us to, you know, the next... Uh, like, this movie is almost him doing all the version... All, you know, all the great... Up until this point of... People talk about how this was the movie that his career was leading to at this point. It's true. Because, like... But he's able to do all of those things of... Like, he does the... He's the action star. So let's get... You know, we can get to, to now where he... You know, I know Kung Fu. Uh, I mean... This is the movie, uh, you know, he's now, you know, led to John Wick and everything. But, uh, yeah, I mean, him as an action star is also super convincing. I mean, because he straight up learned how to do martial arts. So I feel like he'd already he'd already been that guy. Yeah. Like, it, like if, if, if we were to rewind to 1997 and the Wachowskis are pitching this movie to me, the studio, I would be like, Yo, do you know who's white and very popular? Keanu Reeves. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, like, yeah. I don't want to give him too much credit because I love Keanu Reeves, but at the same time, like, he was a pretty safe choice because they're like, at first he was Bill and Ted, but then he does point break, he does speed, he becomes this guy. And and by like 1999 terms, they're like, no, it's fine. 
that guy could jump off of exploding buses. Yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever you need, we approve him to do that. You know, right? I mean, that he, yeah, like the fact that they wanted to, the Wachowskis wanted to make it a martial arts movie, and they also wanted to have that philosophical part, but then they also wanted, obviously, they needed an actor that would convince the studio to make this insane movie. Uh, I mean, it's all it's destiny, and it just. You know, it made history. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about how many, like, iconic scenes happen back to back to back in this film? Like, I I, I, you're thinking about, like, how, like, we're already, like, you know, 40 minutes into the film. Um, and, and it's like, oh, yeah, like, since this has happened, we've already had the, the Trinity, like, you know, 360 kick thing. Running we've across had, the rooftops um, and jumping. And, yeah. Yeah. We've had the, like, the belly thing, the, 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 his mouth melting, his stomach having a bug in it. We've had the blue red pill thing. We had the, like, the metal glass thing running down his arm. The battery We've fields. And- the battery <laughs> fields. We've had the exposition dump. And then we're into the kung fu sequence, which has been parodied so much in, in pop culture. Uh, like, like you, like you said, like, you know, like before the podcast started, or maybe at the very beginning, you were like, oh, yeah, like the thing that it, it, it's so iconic and so revolutionary that like literally for for years scary movie too yeah i know what you're talking about everything mtv movie awards like every every like spoof or parody or comedy at that point had a bullet time sequence you know like a slow motion 360 thing like 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 think about the last time that a movie like a, a movie event had a thing that like everyone was doing on tv and the internet Right after that, right? I mean, like, maybe Wakanda Forever right now, you know, right after Black Panther. Mm-hmm. But, like, other than that, like, you know, like, that's so, like, specifically emotion that, like, people were just, like, so stoked about. But, like, you know, like, a, a, an effect, right? Like, like a, like a, like a, like a cinematic, like, like a camera effect that everyone was ripping off immediately after that because of this film. For sure. I mean, and everyone do, trying to do the, you know, even like you know the underworld Why movies ripping off that. Uh, I, as much as I like, I have a soft spot for those bad movies, but uh, that, that you know they just tried to like, hey, let's do a Matrix. Let's you know make every let's put everyone in uh, leather and spandex and let's shoot everything through a filter and like, but not getting the reason it worked. You know, like they're mm-hmm. just it's the same thing with you know once Mad Max Fury Road hit, they're like just make apocalypse movies. It doesn't matter if they're good. They're just you know mm-hmm. right. Uh, no, it's, it's the equivalent of, like, you seeing a model, like, wearing, like, a gorgeous suit. You're like, oh, my God, that suit's going to make me look gorgeous. And then you get and you go, oh, no, I see what I did here. I put it on me. Um, a, a model really <laughs> does need to be in play here. Uh, yeah, and I uh, – but even just, yeah, like, uh, Keanu's convincing as a, you know, martial arts badass. But at the same time, like, the way he plays this scene, this first fight scene with uh, Morpheus is amazing just because of how – I mean, yeah, it's a really well choreographed scene. You know, Yuan Wu Ping's amazing, and but at the same time, like, just his performance in that is like, yeah, he knows how to do kung fu, but Morpheus is telling him that, like, but you don't get it. Like, you you know how to do it, but you don't. Right. You know, like the quote of him. Uh, what is it? You know. Uh, stop trying to hit me. And hit me. Yeah. Stop trying to hit me and hit me, and you know, it's not uh, the problem. Isn't your technique? Uh, but yeah, just the way both of those actors play that scene. Yeah, it's, they're kicking ass, but at the same time, they're both, you know, selling the uh, themes and narrative of the movie. And it's, you know, anyone who thinks Keanu is a bad actor hasn't seen this movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or any of his movies. Any, yeah, it, true. It's amazing to, like, look at Keanu Reeves now and, like, go back and, like, watch, like, a bogus journey where he plays, like, the evil himself mm-hmm. as well as, like, the himself. And you just watch that movie and you go, like, 
get the fuck out of town. This dude is the fucking best. <laughs> I agree. That's why I'm doing this podcast. But Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sorry. I don't need to tell you about how dope Keanu Reeves is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I want, you know, trying to think of what next scene to, you know, jump to, but... Uh, well, they they do the jump also. Yeah, the I jump mean, There's a couple yep. of uh, training montages back to back to back. Uh, all of them are great. Yeah, I mean, um, you, you forget then, you but, forget how back to back they are. Like I remember rewatching this. You know, obviously rewatching it again uh, in preparation for this was like how it goes right from that uh, kung fu scene to the jump scene to then him talking with Cipher and like you know it's just. Every scene in this movie is was, iconic. And, all I do is remember that cypher scene. Like, Mo was talking, and I mean, you were too, like, about the nature of this film being a constant presentation of choices. And it's it's obviously evident all throughout the film, but the cypher scene, I think, is probably one of the most dynamic and successful versions of it. Because despite the fact that you're constantly presented with choice, and you as a viewer are always going towards the more interesting choice that you want to see your movie go, Mm-hmm. despite the fact that it would be at odds with you as a person. And I think after, like, I think you have enough information at that point that whenever you watch that Cypher scene, you're like, I don't know, man. I'm kind of with Cypher here. Right. Like, it's pretty fucking terrible, and ignorance is bliss. Yeah, I mean, and even like that, so that scene with, uh, you know, first Keanu and Cypher talking and drinking that, you know, outlet liquor that they have, uh, and like, that scene, right. most movies would hide the fact that Cypher is the mole until, like, right when he's about to trigger the trap, like, you know, spring the trap. Yeah. But this movie, it goes right from, like, eh, maybe he's bad to then, like, showing immediately that he's betraying them. But then, yeah, again, like, he's not wrong. I mean, he's still, it's, it's, he's horrible, isn't it? but it's, like, at the same time, you're like, I can see what he's saying. It's, it's, it's awful, horrible to your narrative, yeah. but he's, he's not an unreasonable person. Right. He just doesn't want to be in this shitty, cold, eating slop. Like, you know, like, we've all had those thoughts. And uh, I was going to say, I don't think Mo's going to agree with us because he just told us a story about how he has slop parties while wearing his gray sweatshirt. Well, I think about the Matrix implications and, like, what it works as as metaphor kind of applying to the world we live in right now, right? I think about, like... Um, problematic entertainment, right? Entertainers who suddenly, um, who, you know, now that you know about them, can you enjoy their stuff the way that you used to, right? And I, I think can I still watch Ghost Dad? <laughs> yes. Or any, any Woody Allen movie, right? <laughs> you know, and you go like, okay, well, so now we live in this world where this is the truth, and, and, and you can apply that metaphor to this, which is just that, like, do you want to live in a world where all of a sudden... Like, it, it's it's progressive, you're fighting the fight to, like, make the world a better place, but now you can't watch, you shouldn't watch, or you should probably stop watching the films by people who are, who are terrible, awful, like, destructive monsters. Mm-hmm. Or, do you eat the steak and just say, fuck it, ignorance is bliss? You know, like, th- there's so many different ways you can apply this metaphor, which is just that, like, you get it, you get it sometimes where you just have to just go, like, why someone like Cypher would just be like... I did it. I tried. I tried, and it's miserable. And you fucking just you, you you have to make explanations for it. You have to just sort of smile and grit your teeth. But then you go like, you know what? I just want to fucking watch uh, Stardust Memories and not feel guilty about it. You know, like I want to watch Ghost Dad and just be whatever. And then you go like, oh, I see. I see how easy. And like, it's so rare to find a movie whose like villains' motivations are just that like they Human. just want to be happy. Right. 
You know, like, they just don't want to have to be unhappy right now. They just want to, like, yeah. feel like, and not like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that people are going to die, but, like, I, look, I tried. I tried being a hero, right? It's not for me, clearly. And so, like, it's such, it's such, such like, a weird, complex thing. Like, even in the film itself, it feels like, oh, what a betrayal. But, like, yeah, when on paper, it's like, yeah, I mean, of course people die, and that's, that's the real problem here. But, like, his betrayal is that he just doesn't want to be an ally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know? He just, like, he does, he's just like... Uh, yeah, but with like, I mean, do do you feel like uh, like the news this week is almost kind of like at odds with their own personal metaphor? Where obviously the movie has a lot of personal metaphors going through it, but like the fact that like Lana was just like, I think I'm just done with movies, and like they're closing their offices, and yeah. Lana's not going to make any more movies. Like, do you feel like almost that's like her biting mistake? Yeah, to some degree. I mean, she definitely fought the good fight, and things change when you get older. Obviously, like you have a lot more, you know gumption when you're younger and you you can fight you know all that stuff but you know like they definitely opened the door and they definitely you know like it's more like retiring versus giving up right you know I, i'd like to think i mean i'm definitely very sad that they have nothing else in production i'd like to think that it's a choice not to keep bringing it back to that phrase but like a choice on their on their part to be like yeah you know what like i'm ready to just like be, enter the terrestrial world again and be like a regular person and not like a filmmaker Why, jupiter like, ascending too so bad yeah me Jesus, too i would i would kill for that movie she said she said that you know hopefully she has that she said like that she hopes that she has that soderbergh like where he said, like, he's done, but then two years later, he's back doing crazy, interesting stuff again, so... He has to say twice the amount of shit that he was previously doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I wish as a production company, they were, instead, if they weren't making the films, they were at least producing the films and getting other, like, talented female or, you know, male or, or transgender filmmakers, you know, LGBTQT uh, filmmakers into the fold and trying to get them, you know... Yeah, just they had one more films. hit mixed in there, like... Speed Racer should have been a hit. Like, Jupiter Ascending, I get why people didn't like it, but that also probably should have been a hit. Like, it had, like, both of those movies had all of the components, and I think that if they didn't have that, like, triptych of money failures uh, with Cloud Atlas uh, riding in there, then they would still kind of have carte blanche to be geniuses, but I think that they had kind of that, like, tumble down, and I don't... If I had a bazillion dollars, I would give it to them. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Same. you get you, you get why people continue to finance them, and you know, I think it, if it does has come down to them again choosing to not um, play the game anymore, um, you know. So yeah. finger, fingers crossed, they do come back. I think that they still have a lot of stories to tell. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, not for nothing. I think that they at least have the matrix on their. You know, like the, no one else will ever have a movie like The Matrix on their plate. Yeah, uh, and I, I have to be, rem- I'd be remiss to not discuss the uh, if it's a Keanu podcast of uh, Keanu with the uh, Neo with the Oracle. I think this might be one of my favorite uh, scenes of Keanu being just the again him just basically just reacting like he's that's where he's great at, and uh, you know, just basically again more exposition dump of the Oracle talking about weird, uh, you know, amb- ambiguity. Oh, wow, bad, bad ambiguity. Talking. Ambiguity, yes, and also just you know talking about uh, there's a lot you know know thyself and saying you know uh, circular talk about uh, vases breaking. But again, we're supposed to be you know Neo is both our uh, introduction into that uh, weird stuff, but also uh, you know so him reacting to it is just it's beautiful stuff. What's really going to bake your noodle is, would you have still broke it if I hadn't told you? And just the look on his face, it's like, you know, it's the whoa. Uh, it's, but, uh, or even, uh, just, yeah, with the, there is no spoons that like the, 
Him bending the did spoon. You go to the, uh, uh, Matrix marathon that I did a couple of years ago. Did, did I? I? Oh, Mo, I know you were there. We showed your 35 millimeter print. <laughs> but no, uh, what was funny is knowing full well that that moment was coming and like what like a, a mind blower of uh, philosophy that it was for me the very first time that I watched it and how much I can appreciate it. Uh, I had the kitchen time it out to where uh, during that scene, uh, they put a plate in front of like all 220 people in the theater at that exact moment with a warm cookie on it. Ah, so good. Where, 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 like she goes, she goes. By the time they have this cookie, you'll feel a whole lot better about it. And everybody looked down. They're like, "Fuck, there's a cookie in front of me." Strong play, <laughs> amazing. Uh, I just quoted that Gloria Foster scene just off the top of my memory, but I, I pulled it up on my phone just to make sure I got it right because I'm super paranoid like that. But as I, I looked through it, I saw the other part of it that's really also pretty funny, which is her going like, "You're cuter than I thought." I can see why she likes you, and you know, goes, "Who?" And she goes, <laughs> "Not too bright though." <laughs> Oh, she's so good. She, it's, it's, it's such a throwaway too, how she says that. Yeah, she goes, "Not too yeah, bright, though." Yeah, uh, I, I want to live. I, I would watch a two-hander with Keanu Reeves and Gloria Foster, like a whole movie. Maybe where they dated, like replace Sandra Bullock with Gloria Foster in the, in the lake house. Like I would enjoy that so much more. Don't 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 go burning the lake house down right now. Whenever you can actually fix Destination Wedding. That's true. That's true. I would watch Keanu Reeves and Gloria Foster at Destination Wedding. If, if we're all talking about uh, exposition dumps, that movie is literally exposition dump the movie. It really is. Uh, yeah. So that's you know that's months away. Uh, but for now, still Matrix. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to, I didn't, I didn't mean to get okay. too ahead of you. So yeah. So so, so we've talked about Destination Wedding enough. <laughs> we haven't. I apologize. It's like a mag. Two magnets being pulled apart. We're trying to find each other again. Uh, no, yeah, so so Cypher turns on them, and then they go to see the Oracle. And so this is, like, the weird first climax, because there's, like, three climaxes right. back to back to back. I mean, and then and we don't know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, we know Cypher's bad at this point, but, again, we don't know how fast it's going to happen. And then literally, yeah, we go talk to the Oracle, and then on the way back, uh, you know, he murders uh, Switch and APOC, and it's, uh, yeah, that scene is beasts. brutal. Yeah. And he's so good too. I mean, like, yeah, Joey Pants. Like, if I had to like rank the best performances in the movie, I think Joey Pants is actually number two in the movie. Like, he is so good in the film. Like that whole sequence when he's on top of Trinity and he's on. Like, you'd think that like acting against someone who's unconscious would lead to some really hammy delivery. Right. But he is so good on that phone call with her. Yeah, I mean, just like uh, looking. Yeah, he's like on top of her, but then you know, looking to the side, like that he's talking to her through the. Yeah, it's. He's great, for sure. And it's so funny. Everyone keeps referring to uh, Keanu as being kind of doe-eyed and vacant. And in this movie, too, like, drawing attention almost to the, the like, cultural impact that Keanu has had in this world, in the real world. Performance is literally boiled down to, like, uh, the memification of the world where people were like, oh, that movie where Keanu Reeves goes, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, but they they they, they in, integrate it into the dialogue too. I mean, like when Gloria Foster tells him that he's cute but not bright, and then like and then Cipher during that sequence is like, I bet you're just looking at his dull eye, like you're yeah, looking at him, pretty, like just watching his like, pretty brown eyes, yeah. just like looking ahead of him, and you cut back to him, and he's just fucking gorgeous, like sitting there in a black trench coat, like an, like an ensemble that like is is like you know like ended up being hacked immediately like six months later after the film like people like roll their eyes at the idea of the fashion in the actual world of the matrix the black trench coats and shit you know but like you look at him and he's like yeah he does he looks fucking good man with that like weird little like pompadour like you know super straight haired pompadour that he has 
you know, and you go like, yeah, he is. He looks like, looks like a, like a fucking handsome dope, and he still are just like, oh man, like don't die, don't die. Right, and then you're like, how are you? How are they going to get out of this? And then surprise, Tank's not dead, and he, you know, has one of my favorite lines of the movie of, believe it or not, you piece of shit, you're still going to burn. Like just, uh, mm-hmm. uh I, I miss Tank. I, I'm, I'm still sad that. Uh, you know, we tanked and stick around in the sequels, but yeah, poor Switch, Tank, and Dozer. Mouse, Mouse had a comment. He was he was a little gross. <laughs> yeah, Mouse is like, what What would you say if I told you you could rate all the time? <laughs> <laughs> and, and then uh, the uh, again, this is where Neo has his. Uh, I mean, the Oracle telling him that he's not, you know, quote not the one. Uh, you know that you have the gift, but you're, you're waiting for something. And this is where like. Keanu decides that what he's supposed to do is he's going to make a decision to save Morpheus. And, like, that's kind of where he decides to not pick sides. Like, he's just going to... He's going to save Morpheus because Morpheus is good. And, like, he's just going to make that decision. Uh, And then... But then also Trinity, like, calling him on his bullshit. Like, you just got here, dude. Like, I I know, you know... I know him. I've known him longer. You know, I can believe you... I believe you can go to hell, which is... Again, another favorite line of the movie, but... Yeah, and then they get the guns, and then they do the, again, one of the most iconic action sequences uh, of of all time. The next most iconic thing of all time now. (laughs) Yep, the lobby sequence. Uh, Um, Yeah. Or even just before that, like, guns, lots of guns. Like, yeah, every... Uh, but but yeah. here it is, like, there, there are all those moments, but, like, as incredible as that lobby sequence is, and I'm not taking anything away from it, or, like, they're fucking loading up before it, which has also been paired a thousandfold. Uh, but, like, I always remember Morpheus doing the uh, super slow motion run to do the helicopter oh, jump, yeah. and then, like, the bullet, like, rips through his leg. Like, that moment is both, like, one of the most, like, viscerally painful things for me to watch, but it's just this weird, like memory if you say the matrix i don't think about neo doing like the back bend bullet time or like trinity doing like the 360 kick or the lobby like i just think about that helicopter scene and like neo's just like firing a thousand shells out of a helicopter oh and the you know just yeah the the uh the agents firing their guns and you have the bullet trail like yeah that's uh as, as great i mean the lobby sequence is an objectively great action scene but yeah i agree that the my favorite scenes aren't that. It's always the more, uh, you know, interesting character moments than just the... Cause as good as the lobby sequence is, it is, in retrospect, you know, it's just kind of just a lot of shooting and it's cool looking. Like, it was almost a scene that they... I, I mean, the Chucky's are into that kind of thing, but at the same time, they're more interested in these, uh, you know, big uh, operatic moments with, like, you know... Uh, right, Lawrence Fishburne breaking his cuffs open and you know with a scream and as a guy who sees of sensate, I do understand what you mean about large operatic moments because there was full episodes of that show where it's the Wachowskis leaning into, for better or worse, their greater tendencies where they just go like, what if we just made a sixty minute episode that is only operatics and and like character catharsis? Yeah, uh, and so I yeah I, I and I'm I'm in love with that show, but also I agree that like. I get why uh, some people don't, you know, maybe respond to that as well, but it just, yeah, always oh, my no, favorite no, no. things I, in this movie. I, are I, the, I, I was in tears while watching that movie, or watching that show. Uh, mm-hmm. I am a sucker for whatever uh, drug that the Wachowskis are pushing. Uh, and then... Um, let's, let's go, if we can go back just one sure. second to the... Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to jump ahead of you. 
No, no, no. I, you just reminded me that we were about to gloss over, like, the Agent Smith stuff. Oh, yeah, Which yeah. is, like, we haven't talked a lot about Hugo Weaving. Like, he's just so good and such, like, a, a foundation in this film. But, like, the, again, talking about, like, character motivations. Like, every single character in this film who's a lead has very clear motivations at all times. Like, Sam, you mentioned that Trinity, like, has her own, like, you know, even though she is, like, a trope. Right. Now, like, the character who, like, the female character who's the badass, but who still is, like, second fiddle despite all that, like, like she still has very clear motivations. Morpheus has clear motivations. The Oracle does. You know, Neo does. But even the villain, like, like it's so impressive that, like, there's two villains, and they both have sequences in which they literally lay their, their, their intentions out on the table in these long monologues, mm-hmm. and they're both amazing. Yeah. Like, you already, you already had a sequence in which one villain already explains why he did it, and then that villain dies, and then you have another villain who's, like, only been in, like, maybe 20 minutes of the film show up and be like, look, here's the reason why I'm actually doing this. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm disgusted I'm so by you. Yeah. fucking disgusted <laughs> by humans like literally like you gross me out so much you guys literally ruin everything like and again you empathize with them because you're like you you also empathize with with cypher but then you go like man <laughs> this guy in a suit who just took his earpiece off and his glasses off for the first time like is really like saying a lot about like and now he's, <laughs> he's like, really like it also doesn't help that like they have like lawrence fisper and like his like sweatiest and wettest going like you know he could seem a bit gross right now it's like he's like running his finger over his head and it's snowing he has it. a yeah. sweaty ball ball head and sniffs the sweat and then yeah oh, it's so good yeah i mean yeah hugo weaving's amazing i mean and he does that like almost like he doesn't feel human and that's great i mean it's like because he's not he's like this program and the way he like just yeah he's like sitting on Lawrence fishburne's lap practically and just like sniffing him and it's yeah it's again like it maybe shouldn't work but it works like gangbusters and it's uh speaks to how well just you know alchemy i mean it's a it's a moving miracle like god bless the wachowskis uh whatever they do doesn't always fire on all cinders for everybody but the matrix for whatever reason like hit all eight at the exact same time well, then, yeah, because, like, then you have the helicopter sequence, and then Neo st- has to get, get stuck in the Matrix when everyone else gets out, and then it's just Neo and Smith. And, like, you know, like, that's not from the very beginning, but you forget how, like, weird of a nesting doll this movie is that, like, they, they, they close out the climax for, like, all, like, the rest of the characters, and then you're back to, like, the payoff to the sequence in which they had, a like, a really passive-aggressive dialogue in a, in, like, a, in an interrogation room. You then have this, like, you know what, like, Fuck you for calling me Mr. Anderson all the time. Like, I'm Neo. Like, fuck you. And then they fight for, like, ten minutes straight, and it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing and cathartic. It's a cathartic fight. Like, and to the point where, like... like the whole time, like, you're just watching him, like, fucking bleed, and you're like, this dude can die. That other dude can't. Yeah. And, like, it's, and, and, and so, like, whenever you get to, like, the fucking Goku moment, like... Oh, I love it. Yeah. You, you just want to fucking scream out loud. Because, you know, there's no there was no guarantee of a Matrix 2 or 3 at the time. Like, all you're sitting there going like, shit, this is going to be one of those dark, cool action movies that has a sad ending. No, but then he's just like, you know, just, I am Neo. And that, you know, that again, I I am not the person to speak about uh, this movie as a uh, trans metaphor. But at the same time, like, yeah, please go read. Right. Several, I'll post it on my Twitter about this, this great article about it as that. But, uh, you know, just like... Stop calling me my, you know, former name. I'm yeah. fucking Neo. <laughs> Die. Get hit by a train. I think. I, I mean, I, I think beyond that, it's it's just really interesting. Um, 
to watch like that moment because like yeah. it's like uh, I'm trying to think of a, a like uh, whenever I watched Arrival, the Denis Villeneuve movie. Like you watch that movie, and obviously after you've seen Arrival, you 100% understand Arrival. But while you're watching it, like I think everybody is at a different state of misunderstanding about what's going on. Mm-hmm. And if you sat in that theater on an opening weekend, like for again Arrival, like you saw the kind of answer wash over everyone. And I think that what the Wachowskis did is they created that plausible deniability about Neo not being the one to where he could die to where whenever that moment actually comes and is cool and is badass and is like, you know, screen ripple flexing cool as it is like at some point, whenever you see him shot, like there's probably a large contingent of the audience going like, oh, fuck, Neo's dead. This is what this movie is. And there's a whole like other contingent. And that's like a chain reaction of like seconds, but you're watching the whole audience, like wash themselves over going. It's like the Oracle said, not in this life. He has to die to be the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, and then uh, just, yeah, that fu- just that fight is amazing. Like, that's, like then they, and again, I love uh, how uh, people dismiss them as, you know, maybe corny or whatever, but the Wachowskis, like they literally do a, uh, newspaper tumbleweed like because it's like this is a this is about to be a duel uh yeah so i just every detail of that this is probably that's probably my favorite action scene of the movie is that uh that fight uh and then i think i think helicopter to that is like some of the best action filmmaking of my of my lifetime yeah him grab you mean him grab or both like the helicopter jump and then him straight up grabbing the helicopter yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, and then, yeah, and then we find, I love this, uh, and then, you know, Smith quote, uh, you know, uh, you know, Neo, it's like, he's like walking away, like, I did it. And then he like starts just fucking running, you know, like just that, that chase sequence is amazing. Like the, and this is full, you know, agents like every, or everywhere. And, uh, I just love the, again, the way that they shoot this scene is amazing. Like the, you know, him following him through apartments as he, you know, and then, oh shit, there's a knife, like. Uh, yeah, uh, great sequence. Yeah, I also like li- little touches of comedic bits in that. Like, yeah, the knife being thrown at him, and then like you walking by a woman like chopping, you know, vegetables, and all of a sudden the knife is like in the wall. Right. And uh, yeah, and then there's there's a lot of like really good um, additional world building still happening there, where you go like, oh yeah, like the agents could be anyone, and like this is it to like the nth degree, which is just that literally like you can't actually escape, which is like, I guess, again, multiplied when you get to re- uh, re- uh, reloaded with the, the highway scene, which is like never go on the highway, right? Uh, because literally the agents could be anybody, but like, uh, yeah, just running through apartment buildings being like, oh, if you just run fast enough, you can get away from them. It's like, no, they can literally just be anybody. Uh, it, it's, it's so funny, you know, cause you need that little bit of release after such like a serious, like amazing action sequence. And then, yeah. And then right before literally you go, like your heart drops in your stomach because you think he, he's so close to getting away and then he gets shot. Yeah. Just shot and not just like shot one, like he just like unloads his, you know, 45 caliber pistol into his chest and like, uh, and then again, the way, uh, you know, Keanu's reaction to that is like, just heartbreaking. Uh, and, but then, you know, he obviously doesn't die. Uh, he is the one and he's straight up like, this is, this is maybe, you know, where he's suddenly playing a different character uh, almost. I mean, he is still the same character, but like where he's realized that, oh shit, I'm maybe, you know, 
uh, Cyber Jesus. Like I can, <laughs> uh, and just the the piece is that on his IMDb profile. Yeah, uh, you know, just the you know him, uh, you know, being amazed by his powers, but also just like you know, Smith, you're nothing to me now. Uh, you know, he transcends, and that's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, that, that, hard, that's the whole movie. Hard, hard, hard agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then you know we finally uh, get uh, this. Just this this ending is amazing. Uh, it's uh, it's the opening to this podcast. So clearly, I'm fond of this uh, little. I think the, the ending end, to that movie is such a misleading thing. Like as much as I love it, and I love the Matrix, and I love all the Matrixes, Matrices. Uh, I feel him flying at the end. And then the promise of future films and then going to those future films like those movies didn't need to have trailers because they had the end of the Matrix. Right. Uh, and I think ultimately they were just like, yo, we made a maybe two OP in the last shot of the final film. So we're going to scale it back a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you're right. I mean, the later in that movie, he's just like doing the Superman thing. But yeah, I mean, maybe the fl- I mean, it's so uh Satisfying though that like I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, oh absolutely, like, no, 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 yeah, no, 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 yeah, I, mean, I have yeah, I have goosebumps right now just thinking about that scene. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just that him his little speech about you know like uh, you know the, the, it's all gonna change and back to the choice thing where he's like the last line of the movie is is a choice I leave up to you and then you know trigger uh, rage against the machine you know like yeah come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that basically that ending and the that cut to the uh, cut to the credits is uh, it set a high bar for me at a young age of like you better bring it for the, the I episode. literally feel like Mo's putting on some sunglasses right now and like <laughs> squeezing into his couch in a trench coat and like putting the Matrix in his Blu-ray player. Guys, I did buy a pair of sunglasses recently from Matrix2Sunglasses.com, and uh, not to plug them too earnestly, but uh, there was a moment in time where I thought I was going to, oh yeah, yeah, well, I, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, you know, if you're going to do this podcast in the next couple of weeks about the Matrix sequels, you should probably keep, get them as a sponsor. Uh, Matrix2Sunglasses.com, they have all of them. They have Neos, they have Morpheuses, which they don't have any stems, they have Trinities, they have Agent Smiths, they even have the Twins. Uh, but no, I, awesome. I bought a pair of those sunglasses because I thought I was going to be Agent Smith for Halloween. I don't think it's going to time out this year, but um, I have it. I will always have it in my back pocket now because uh, I, they're 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 so badass. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty much you know. Uh, again, I could talk about this movie for hours, but uh, are there any uh, final thoughts you guys have that you want to share with the people? I mean, uh, I, you want to go first, Mo? No, you go first. I mean, like, I don't, I don't necessarily know if I have a final thought. I think that any final thought that has to be said was articulated so well to the film, and all we can do to, to, to talk on this podcast or say something profound about it is to literally tell people to watch it. Yeah, like, watch it again I, or I, watch I, it for the first time. I've watched the movie a million times, and all like, we want to do is watch it every time I talk about it. It's like watching like a Mad Max movie. It's just like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'm actually kind of tired of talking to you about Mad Max because I should just go watch Mad Max. Like, there are a few films that people get to experience in their life that articulate themselves so profoundly and so perfectly that you're just in perpetual awe and grateful for the echo of what that statement is that goes through your time as you grow older and it means more to you depending on who you are. And I think The Matrix is one of those profound pieces of wonderful cinema that has such an echo. Uh, And I think Keanu Reeves is one of those actors that, will forever be appreciated and people will probably appreciate him 10 times more after he's gone. Mm-hmm. 
unless you know John Wick three sucks. Oh, <laughs> he shoots a man from a horse. How can I be upset about that film? All right, how about you, Mo? Yeah, I, I. What is there to say? I mean, the movie is twenty years old in like six months, right? So um, we live. Dude, you're twenty in- years old in six months. <laughs> I'm hoping I get. To, yeah, hoping they have a re-release because I need to see this in a the theater. I've never seen it in a the theater, and it's all right. Sam, I know a guy. I can make this happen. Mo literally <laughs> owns thirty-five millimeter prints. We'll just do it again, Mo. We'll just do it's, a marathon in yeah, the theater. We should. We we should. Uh, that's not an exaggeration. It, it, it's a perfect movie, and and to a fault. It set both the Wachowskis, Keanu, and uh, the, the, uh, up for disappointment for their, their subsequent films that they made together. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, if there's one takeaway from this film, obviously revisit The Matrix, but chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen it, or you're, you, you, you know, love it, or at least, you know, grew up in a world where it's a movie that you accept is a good movie, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, in preparation for the next episodes... Um, I think that you should 1,000% rewatch the sequels as well. Um, and, and the interesting experiment would be this time is uh, for watching them, and which would always be the way you approach any film, um, but particularly the films of the Wachowskis, is just don't watch it as a film that you think is a failure to do what you set it out to be. Watch it as the most successful film that they ever made because mm-hmm. they literally made exactly the movie they wanted to make like they literally made both after the matrix and both all three matrix movies i'd argue with the exception of the death of gloria foster are all films that they 1000 percent intended to make and made mm-hmm. exactly how they wanted to so um i think that uh there's a reason why keanu and uh, Lawrence fishburne and uh, everyone involved in the films are all super still still super proud of them and they aren't like those movies that you kind of like you, you hear some actors these days talk about the films that are like seen as failures like after the fact to be like oh yeah, yeah yeah i shouldn't have done that you know whatever or like oh yeah that sequel wasn't that good you know but like everyone still loves this series that was involved in it and i think it's because there's something really special about the time and place that they were involved in yeah i totally agree uh thanks so much guys this was an awesome conversation about an even better movie uh but yeah please and it's the perfect time to rewatch it because that 4k restoration is just gorgeous uh i'm now plugging uh a giant corporation to go pay the money but anyway <laughs> I mean, you should, anyway check out the matrix sunglasses 2.com yes <laughs> uh, i think we'll we'll have a discount code uh, anyway but uh so yeah thanks so much for joining me uh this, thanks everyone for listening uh join me next time we'll be talking about the replacements uh until then keeping excellent to each other <laughs>